This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, you know what this means? I retired. I'm going fishing. This is the retirement. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what it is at all. Uh, I don't do very many illustrated sermons. Jesus gives me what I do. I think this is the second one I've ever done. But I woke up this morning and I saw myself doing this because Jesus wants to get a point across in a way that makes it very real to everybody. So this is going to be our message today called Illustrated Sermon. Mrs. Pastor is loaded with them. Out of about 30 years, it's the second one I've ever done. So here we are. We'll put this up here so we can see the fishing pole. Amen. Fishing pole. Tackle box. And how do you like those fish caught from, uh, let's see, that there was down, what's it called? Desperia Lake. That one. And those there's trout from Northern California. And, uh, I was a part of that, caught some of those. But it's good to catch fish when you go fishing. How many agree with that? It's really good to catch fish. Okay, Mr. Pastor told you about the book, so after the, uh, Message today, you'll see how important it is to read books like that to build your faith up. I'm a pretty cool looking fisherman, huh? Yeah, but I'll tell you what, looking cool don't catch fish. You gotta know how to catch fish, you're gonna catch fish. Gotta have the right stuff, but anyway, uh, Heather, go ahead and put that verse Matthew 13 up there. This not on your outline. Before we get to the outline, I'm gonna share some other things. Matthew chapter 13. 47-51, in the New Living Translation, Jesus said this, <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown to the water that caught fish of every kind. And so Jesus is given a natural illustration to get across to spiritual truth. He wants us to understand the value of eternity. How many here believe that eternity is real? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if we really in our hearts begin to believe eternity is real, at our thinking begin to think eternity is real. We're not going to care about goofy football games or goofy football players or deceiving politicians or biased newscasters or goofy things in life. We're going to be thinking about, wow, we're only down here a short time and we need to think about what we're going to spend forever and forever. And I've got sons, I've got daughters, I've got brothers, I've got sisters. Talk about how we need to think. I've got people I work with. I've got neighbors. I got people that right now I can tell by the way they live that they're not going to make it to heaven when they die. So Jesus today wants to get across the eternal picture to get a revelation of eternity. So he said right here, this is what the heaven's like, the spiritual world, that there's a fish in that thrown to the water that caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up into the shore, sat down and stored the good fish into crates. They threw the bad ones away. That's the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where they'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. He's talking about hell right there. It's as real as heaven is. It says, do you understand all these things? And the disciples said, yes, they said, we do. And I think that today I could probably say the same thing here. Do you understand these things? And I think that probably everybody in here, I think probably maybe 99% will believe that heaven really is real. That hell really is real. That time as we know it's going to end. And when it ends, you know, uh, if you know Jesus, you go to heaven. 
If you rejected Jesus Christ, you go to hell. That's just the way the Bible is. And even if we're not all here to the end of this time, we will die someday. And when we die, it depends on what we did in this life and where we're going to spend eternity. And so anyway, we're going to be talking somewhat about fishing today. And so I wrote down some things this morning. Like I said, I woke up. I already had my sermon for a few days. I woke up this morning about quarter till six. And when I woke up, I saw myself dressing like this to get across the point. I saw myself get my fishing pole out to bring it in. And I learned off Brother Hagin a long time ago. He's one of my uh, main mentors in life for preaching and everything like that. That's called the spirit of seeing and knowing. You begin to see something, and then you know what God wants you to do. So I saw myself doing this today, and I knew what God wanted me to do. And I got this stuff on, carrying this fishing pole, not for laughs, but get across the spiritual point to help people to see what's really going on. So anyway, I wrote this down. I never was a very good fisherman until my dad taught me how, by instruction and example. Uh, I grew up in a fishing family. We grew up back in Indiana. That grew up. I lived there 54 years, so I guess I, guess I did grow up there. But my family, my grandpa and grandma, aunts, uncles, dad, and mom, uh, they weren't church people. They did a lot of they did a lot of things, but one thing they did do was they were serious fishing people. On, on the weekends, I cannot tell you how many weekends growing up, but my dad and mom, grandpa and grandpa, and everybody loaded up all the cars and we go down to a lake, and we spend we spend the you know all day Saturday and sometimes Sunday down there fishing. They weren't fishing just for fun. They had fun. They were serious fishermen. They wanted to catch fish, and so I watched a lot of things they did. But I never was a good fisherman till my dad taught me. And I watched him, and he showed me. He gave me instructions, he showed me. And we're equating this to soul winning. I never was a good soul winner till I had a pastor that was a soul winner. And I watched my pastor, he would teach in church how to lead people to Jesus Christ. I got to go eat with him a lot of times, him and his family. We'd be at a restaurant, our cafeteria eating. And the waitress or waiter to come over and they'd uh, make a little small talk and he'd say something about how you doing. They said, oh, I'm not doing real well. I'm not feeling good. We say, let me have your hand. And he'd pray for him. And then during the prayer, he would lead through a prayer of salvation if they'd let him. I used to go to some races with his stock car race with my pastor. We'd be sitting there in the stands with the beer people and everybody else. And my pastor would strike up a conversation with the people around him. And then he, if somebody said something about, man, I'm having a bad day, having a bad time, stick out. he said, let me pray for you. And he began to pray for them. He led them into prayer of salvation. Our church back in Indiana, that when I was a sheep, before I was a pastor, was a pretty big church, had about 500 some people in it. And we had a lot of picnics and church outings. And I watched my pastor at the outings, he would work the crowd. He'd go around shaking all of our hands, of course, but he'd look for new people that hadn't been there before. He'd look for casual attenders. That, uh, you know, people that just came sometimes that he wasn't sure about their salvation. He'd find a way to strike up a conversation and pray for them. Well, you know what he was doing? He was fishing. Amen. And I learned off of him how to go fishing. And so I've, I've, I've become a pretty good fisherman of souls for over the years. We're going to look at some of these things in the Bible. Still, as far as the fishing part goes, I'm not that great. A lot of those fish there, Tony Perez caught. <laughs> but I caught part of them. But they still taste just as good when they're caught. That's the main thing. Is be able to catch them. So anyway, none of you are going to be good soul winners unless somebody teaches you. And that's what we want to do. We want to teach you how to do that because when all is said and done, at the end of our lives, 
if we go to heaven because we're saved, Jesus is not going to say, Tom Chavera, I'm so proud of you. You worked 35, 45 years on that job there. Man, they gave you the gold watch of the attaboy. I'm so proud. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, Tom, thank you for serving in my kingdom. Thank you for helping get these people to heaven. He's not going to say, Melinda, Melinda, you did such a good job over at the mortuary giving those people their final, final send-off. And then you went to the graveyard and made sure those holes were straight and dug those good holes. He's going to look at Melinda and going to say, Melinda, thank you that those people in their hour of grief, you were there to tell them about me and tell them how to get to heaven. It's the same thing for every one of you. Praise God for a good pension. Praise God for faithfulness to an employer. The Bible teaches faithfulness. The Bible teaches planning for your future and all those kind of things. But the whole thing is, Jesus said, what good does it do if a man wins the whole world and loses his own soul? Hey, man, doing better preaching, Josh. Hey, how do you like the hat, by the way? Uh, camera, get a close-up on the hat. Do you see the little fish there at the Jesus? That's, that's kind of a supernatural story to that one, isn't it, Mom? <laughs> when I was laid out by fishing duds this morning before I came to church, I got a fishing hat. My fishing hat says Grandpa's old fishing hat on it. I have my old Grandpa's old fishing hat laid out there, and I come in to get things picked up, and all of a sudden this hat was laying beside it. And I said... Where'd you get that hat loaded there? I said, I didn't put that hat there. I said, come on, you put that hat there. I said, no, I didn't. She had a box. She just said, it must have fell that box, but it laid right beside my hat. I thought, uh-oh, I'm changing hats today. <laughs> Amen. And so you got you got to dress for the fishing expedition. And so if you're catching fish, you probably want worms or bugs or artificial bait or something. But if you're catching people, you need the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Name of Jesus, number one. So anyway, I used to watch these people do the natural fishing and learn some things. And so you dress for different kinds of fishing if you're going to be a fisherman. Paul, how many know that Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? He said, I become all things to all men that might by some means win some. He said, I'm, I'm adaptable. I want to change. And, uh, I used to dress like a truck driver when I was a truck driver to catch truck driver fish. You know, it wouldn't have been very good to go into the truck stops wearing a three-piece suit and a tie and say, hey, guys, I want to witness to you. They say, get away from you, religious nut. And at the same time, to catch fish in my own sanctuary, if I dressed like this every Sunday, well, some people might like it, but, but there's a variety of fish that God once caught in this sanctuary. And so i got to wear preacher clothes on Sunday morning. Amen. If you're going to win people, you got to know how to sneak up on them. Amen. Well, that's how you catch fish. you got to sneak up on them. Fish know you're there, they take off. If people, if people that are running from God know that you're a God chaser and He's got you chasing them, they'll run. So you got to fit in with them. And so we're going to have a harvest fest. That's what this whole thing's about. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. At our Harvest Fest, I'm not going to put my suit and tie on my preacher clothes. At Harvest Fest, I'm going to mix in with them. You know, uh, we've had upwards of 5,000 people at Harvest Fest. And probably out of 5,000 people, 4,900 of them don't know who I am. I work the crowd. I work the crowd. I got grandkids on my hands, carrying grandkids, eating a bag of popcorn, eating a couple hot dogs, 
work in the crowd, and I have a lot of one-on-ones at that Harvest Fest where I talk to people and things like that because I'm out there with them, dressed like them to be able to win them. I dress casual. I dress comfortable. Why is that? Because I want to fish. I want to catch some. So I learned how to dress for the occasion. So we're going to be talking about some things about how to catch people. And uh, anyway, our message is called Harvest Fest, an open door from Jesus. An open door from Jesus. How many need a sermon outline? If you need a sermon outline, hold up your hand. Got a hand up here. Back there. Over here. Doing good. You guys see that, but I guess I'm just kind of a pastor that sees those things up here. Okay. Joel chapter 3, verse 14 in the Old Testament. We'll lay the foundation for Harvest Fest. Joel chapter 3, verse 14. And I'll I'll tell you what, I am so... Not just for Harvest Fest. I'm in a phase of my life. I was telling Reverend Ray Bitch, our guest speaker this week, the other day, but I was eating with him. I think I told him several times. I said, Ray, boy, at any time in my life, I'm so consumed with wanting to see people get to heaven. I can't hardly contain myself. I've taught a lot of things, preached a lot of things for a lot of years. But Jesus has my heart so strong, I'm burning with this church becoming a soul-winning church. Do what God wants us to do to get people to heaven. I always have been, but just, it's like he's turned up the fire on the inside of me. And so there's a saying, as the pastor goes, so goes the church. Well, I'll tell you what, our church is known for a lot of good things. But I want Jesus to know us, is that's a place I can send people that need me. And we can get them to heaven. Okay, so anyway, in Joel chapter 3, verse 14, the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Joel, said this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. I don't know about you, but I call 5,000 people a multitude. Amen. We've had thousands and 5,000, and who knows, maybe this year we might have more. Might have a little less. But I know one thing, we've had 5,000, so I'm going for at least 5,000. Or more multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near. How many believe the day of the Lord is near? Amen. Well, well, this prophet wrote this, wrote this in the Old Testament years ago, thousands of years ago. And if he said it's near, then guess how much nearer we are now? Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Is near in the valley of decision. The valley of decision. Boy, what a statement. This is where the people of the earth are today. This is where the people of the earth are today. I guarantee you that every one of you, maybe you, maybe this happened to you this week, what I'm going to say, but I guarantee you got family members, friends that are right now saying things like this. I need prayer. I got to make a decision. I've got to make a real serious decision. I need prayer. I've got to make a decision. I need prayer. Maybe some of you said that today, but the whole thing is, you said there's multitudes, that valley of decision. And so like hungry fish, They'll bite on almost anything they hear or see. How many know that? The world today will bite on almost anything they hear or see. <laughs> you know, the best one I can make fun of is me. Because if I get offended at me, it's my problem. I can't make fun of you. I can make fun of me. When I was in high school, I was a goofball. I was a prankster. I like to get laughs. I like to rebel and hide, see what I get by with. I did dumb things. And I remember in my sophomore year in biology class, our teacher had this aquarium with his fish in it. <laughs> and 
I remember class started at 8 o'clock. And old prankster me, my family being a fishing family, it wasn't hard to get hooks and stuff. So I bought a little piece of fishing line to hook on it. And come into class, and you know, the few of the people there early, most most of them are the smart people. You know, the dumb ones come in later, but I got there early that day. <laughs> so I remember those fancy fish he had to swim around. I stuck, I stuck an empty hook down there, and I caught his prized fish on an empty hook. Bad thing about it, right when I lifted out of the water, he walked through the door, and I was standing there holding his fish. <laughs> and so the whole point of that, I won't tell you what happened to me, but the whole point of that... The fish lived, by the way. whole point of that was this. That fish was so hungry, it bit on an empty hook and just got caught. How many, how many people today that you know are biting on wrong things? And they're getting caught. They're becoming captive to so many things. Look at the young men and women of this world that are getting captive into sexual things that are ruining their lives forever. Look at, look at, the, look at, look at all the young people that some of you were that at one point in time somebody told you, just take a little smoke of this. That'll help you. That'll help you. And then after that was just, hey, take this pill. Take this pill. Hey, man, I think that was good. Where do you try this? Well, you know, when we went fishing, one thing I do remember this, my dad and mom loved to catch catfish. They were catfishers. And catfished loved chicken livers. And so they would stop on the way to where we fished at and buy a great big old bunch of bloody chicken livers. And they'd get a great big old wad of chicken liver. they stick a hook inside of it. And they'd throw it out in the lake. And those catfish would see that. They'd sniff at it. They'd smell it. And they'd think, oh boy, free lunch. And they'd swallow that big old chicken liver, hook them and reel them in. And they was free lunch, all right, but not... For them, it's for us. And the devil is eating too many people's lunch today. They're seeing that. Oh boy, that looks like fun. Romans says the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But you know what? Also Romans chapter 10 says, how are they going to know without a preacher? How are they going to hear? And then he begins to say, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then he says, how's the preacher going to go unless he be sent? And so Jesus wants all of us to preach to one degree or another. Some of us preach up here like this, but we can all preach one-on-one. Because preach simply means to proclaim. You can proclaim to anybody God sends across your path. Jesus is the answer for what's got a hold of you. Jesus is the one that set me free. I used to be a captive like you too. I used to go for the chicken liver. I got tired of getting skinned. Amen. I'm telling you, am I, am I telling you the truth? Amen. How many of you know that you at one point in time, man, you, you ate that wad of worms or that chicken liver or whatever the bait was? And that's what the Bible says. And the Bible, actually, the Bible actually calls bait temptation. It says temptation is not a sin until you bite it. When you yield to the temptation, then it's sin. A fish doesn't get caught just sniffing the bait. A fish gets caught when it goes for the bait. Sin isn't sin if it hits your head. Sin is sin when you commit to it and you do it. Amen.
Amen. So anyway, multitudes are in the valley of decision. And so lost people can only make a godly decision when they have godly influence. When they have godly influence. <laughs> I'm thinking about one time Joe and I had this great big old giant bass in the pond in our woods right behind our house. We'd walk out our back door and be in the pond in like one minute. And there's a fish out there that we named Caesar. <laughs> They'd be big Caesar. And boy, I'll tell you what, Joe and Joe and I worked on that thing for two or three suppers. We caught big Caesar. I wish we hadn't done that, but we did. That was kind of sad, man. That ended the fun in a big Caesar's life, too. But <laughs> anyway, we caught big Caesar. And I'm thinking about big Caesar didn't get to be big Caesar if he had to weather some storms and pass some tests. Because Big Caesar's kids and grandkids got ate by the multitudes. But Big Caesar somehow passed all the tests. So we caught Big Caesar, had all those scars on him, you know, hooks and stuff all the time. He got away. But boy, this one time, me and Joe prayed, used our faith that we knew we was going to get Big Caesar that day. And Big Caesar broke my pole in two when Joe held him wrong. Broke the rod right in two. He was so heavy when he picked it up, he didn't pick the fish up. Picked my pole up and Caesar like that, my pole snapped. Oh, well, Joe, you're in the Marines today, so have fun. You're forgiven, son. Okay. And so godly influence is how people know the right decisions to make. And so they need somebody to tell them how to get the right answers for peace and security for themselves and their families. How many know that the world's chasing after peace right now? And there's going to be no peace till Jesus comes into their heart and gives them a new nature. When Jesus lives in your heart and you're delivered from fear, you can be in the middle of the greatest storm and have peace. Because peace doesn't come from the outside, it comes from the inside. And security. You know, I think about today, about the world, about the word terrorism. Terrorism is just to make a person live in terror. If you're not afraid of death, if you're not afraid because you know Jesus is with you, the angels are with you like that, they can't put terror in my heart. They can't put terror on me. i got to get on airplanes, I get on airplanes. i got to go through crowds, I go through crowds. Because you know why? Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. And that's what terrorism is, fear and evil. Amen. That's good preaching. Amen. And so influence, to influence these people, these multitudes of valley decision, uh, influence means the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. And so, that's what I do every time I get behind this holy pulpit. I'm having an influence on everyone in here today. I'm doing something to speak to your character. To help you develop a different thought pattern. To show you choices of how to change your behavior. And change your behavior, you'll change the results of what happens in your life tomorrow if you change your behavior today. And so every time I get up here, that's what I'm doing. I'm influencing the people that are here. And then they, they put our uh, sermons on podcast and on things on the web. And so when people listen to those anywhere around the world, they get on that webcast list of that. What I'm doing today can have an effect on people in Nicaragua today. Can have an effect on people in Russia today that are listening. Can have a people in Canada 
Anywhere people in the world today get on the Internet and get sermons, whoever's doing the preaching can influence them and their behavior. And so then when you leave, you, you will have heard Bible verses, personal testimonies, and examples from my life and others, and that will help you make right decisions in the everyday affairs of the 21st century. And then you can take what you've got and you can influence the people on your job tomorrow. You can influence your family with what you hear from God's holy word that will help you to change. And so worldly people and also too many Christians make critical decisions of life based upon political correctness and non-biblical advice, and we can change that. We can change that. I'll tell you what, political correctness has done so much damage, not just to the country, but to the body of Christ. Too many Christians make decisions of critical things in their life, not based upon what's the Bible say, but what's the people of the world say. Proverbs says it's the way that seems right to a man. But that's the way that leads to death. And so we got to know there might be a right way to man. But there's only one way to God. He recorded right here how we live, what we do to get his results. I'm going to read this here out of the Amplified Bible, this next verse, so you don't have to turn to it. Unless you have an Amplified. But First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Paul said this, For a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me. And I say for this church, there's a wide door called Harvest Fest. And a special service is open to us. And Paul said there, that's where he wanted to go to, but I say for right here on our 13 acres. God's opened up a wide door for us that's effectual for service. And also a great and promising one. A great and promising one. You see all the multitudes up there? That's what people's been here in times past. And you know, the thing about, think about this fishing. If we influence some of these people and they decide they want to go to Grandma's Baptist Church, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. They're going to a church that preaches Jesus. If they want to go to their, to their friend they work with, Assembly God Church, then praise God. They're in the family. Get over to the Assembly God Church and let that pastor edify you and teach you. Hallelujah for the ones that come to our church. But the main thing is we want people to receive Jesus and go to some church. And not just some church, but a church that preaches Jesus. Do you know there's some churches that don't preach Jesus, but they say church, but they don't preach Jesus? Do you know there's some, there's some churches that people call denominations, but they're actually cults? What's a cult mean? Cult means that their religion is built upon following a man and not Jesus. That follow what the man says God told them, but it's not in the Bible. There's churches that call themselves churches that do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. When I used to be a uh, truck-driving fisherman, I talked to a lot of people. I drove my truck. I witnessed to a lot of people, shared for a lot of people. I learned a lot of things about a lot of people's religions. I had a couple of very prominent religions that have some big things here in Barstow even, I talked to people who were leaders of those things, and we would talk about Jesus, and the Holy Ghost had me pin him down then. Well, do you think Jesus was the only begotten Son of God? Oh, here's a great prophet. 
Our church believes he's a great prophet. I said, yeah, but was he the only begotten son of God that died for your sins, raised the dead? Oh, he was a great teacher. Oh, we know he's a great teacher. Our church believes he's a great teacher. I said, yeah, but was he the son of God? Well, we're all sons of God. I said, but was he the only begotten son of God? And so there are places, even in Barstow, I would not send somebody to because they will not tell them the truth about Jesus. And so good churches, whether they're tongue-talking churches or whatever kind of churches they are, if they're preaching Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the only one could die for your sins, be raised from the dead, then they're a good church. And we want people to go to good churches, learn how to be good disciples, because we want people to stay saved. We want people to get hooked up with a church where they hear the truth, where they can serve, where they can come back and have joy every time they come in and not leave like they just got beat up. Amen or oh me? Amen. As we want to change, we want, we want to change the information that people are getting and how to live their lives. And so some of these crowds that come here, we can help those people. And so I want to say it again. Look at those crowds. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I think the last time I did an illustrated sermon was about 25 years ago. Yeah, we got pictures of that somewhere. The Lord had me go back and find my old, you know what a two-wheeler is? That truck drivers used to move freight around docks and trucks. The Lord had me go dig up an old two-wheeler I've got. Had to put on my truck driving clothes. Come walking in, I preached leaning on my two-wheeler. And I was showing them, I was showing them people how to go trucking for Jesus. Amen. And how to, how to preach. Well, what we're doing, you got to understand. There's not a lack of sinners out there. There's plenty. Plenty enough to go around. I tell you what, that's what I like to be able to let my fellow preachers know. Preachers not to be jealous about who comes to their churches, who doesn't come to their churches. Man, if somebody leaves the church because God transfers them to another church, let them be transferred and say, glory to God, they hit me up another seat. And I believe they're going to bring a whole lot more with them when they come in and fill that seat up. I should put up some more rows, man. we got room. And then we're not going to go over and knock on the door of the Presbyterian church and say, hey, guys, get out of this church. Come to our church. We're not going to go down to the softball field and be, play, be, be praying against, playing against Calvary Church and say, hey, Calvary people, that's not a good church. Come to our church. We're going to talk to people and share the love of Jesus if they say, I go to Calvary, or I go to First Baptist, we're going to shake their heads and say, glory to God, keep on working, keep on serving Jesus. We're going to talk to the next one. And the next one says, I used to go to church, but I got offended. We're going to say, well, good, let me help you. Did Jesus ever offend you? They're going to say, no, that ugly usher did. And I'm going to say, well, forget that ugly usher. We don't have any ugly ushers, man. Ours are all good looking. I'll talk about how they acted. They're going to say, usher offended me. And chances are, going to be like our ushers. Sometimes we have to rope off different sections because of the size of the crowd. And if you violate the rules that says don't sit here, just sit there, they're that ugly usher, because Pastor told him, I'm going to ask you, please come over here. <laughs> Would you get offended if the sign said no parking and the policeman had the ticket book out there says, I'm going to give you a chance. Either move your car because it says no parking, I'm going to give you a ticket. 
Yes, officer, I'm going to move my car. So if the usher says, move, move. But anyway, anyway, what I'm saying, when we're out there talking to people, and they tell us, I used to go to church, and they hurt my feelings. I'm going to say, did Jesus ever hurt your feelings? Why are you running from Jesus if people hurt you? Amen. See, we're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about preachers. We're not talking about other Christians. We're talking about Jesus. And our job is to talk to people that don't go to church, that aren't serving Jesus, to let them know, hey, guys, we got a nice church. Come and check us out. And if you don't think this is a church for you, then let me tell you three or four more churches. Check them out. You've got to find out there's some place that Jesus has for you, that you're going to fit right in. You're going to love them. They're going to love you. And you're going to love waiting for the next service to come into your church. And then you'll quit saying, I like what, I like what Reverend Bitt said the other night. He told his pastor, said, Pastor, you need to change your sign out there. He said, what should I change you? That church, because everybody says I go to that church. <laughs> then people will quit saying, I go to that church, because they're saying, I go to my church. Would you come to my church? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I'll tell you what. I'm doing doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Getting hot, Katie. I'll leave this on for the sermon, but boy, I don't like to mess up my faith here. (laughs) Oh, process communicator all the way. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, in talking to fishermen, said this, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And listen to this, He saith unto them, Follow me. So what's the first part of anything you're going to do for Jesus? What's the instructions? Follow Jesus. You can't do anything for Jesus unless you're following Jesus. He said, Follow me, and I will make you. If you want Jesus to make you into what he wants to make you into, follow him, let him make you. Make you fishers of men. If you're going to fish for college people, then Jesus is going to give you college desires, and you're going to be smart enough and have the discipline to do college things to win college people. But if he's going to make you a fisher of different people in different trades, he may lead you to go through high school, and maybe a trade school or something, but he's going to lead you where he needs to lead you to put you where he wants you to catch the kind of fish he wants you to catch. Amen. Amen. I, I, uh, I probably shouldn't go down that road. Man. Hey, if your kids aren't college material, don't waste your money. Beat them up and make them go. Trade your kids to be where they need to be. If your kids are college material, save it up, pray it up, faith it up, and help them make it through college. But don't make your kids into something God didn't want them to be. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you what you need to be. Amen. I was, I was telling, I was telling uh, Ray the other night too about our church back in Martinsville, Indiana. We were at Hillbilly Country. The road we lived on where my house was called Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. You know why it was called Pumpkin Vine Hill Road? Because it went straight up like that. And we knew that in the wintertime. In the wintertime, it didn't blow sand, it blew snow. We didn't have any sand. I had a church van. 
Twice I tried to go up that road in the wintertime in my church van. In about two foot of snow. Going like that. Big old V8 Ford van. I thought, man, I can make it up this road. I'll get a good start. I was a truck driver. I can do anything. Man, I hit that road. I made it through one curve. And then you come to another curve of cliffs on the side. You can't keep full steam ahead of ice on the road. So I had to slow down. You take your foot off the gas pedal in two foot of snow, even if you're on a hill, you come to a stop. And then when it's in a blizzard, and you look in your mirrors, you have to start backing down like that backwards. Praise God, I was a truck driver in former times. Got down the hill, nobody behind me. I'm just telling you where we lived at. We were in hillbilly country. Pumpkin Vine Hill Road was a real pumpkin vine hill. That's what it was. But we were mostly hillbillies in our church. Had one lady... You know, I don't know how to describe it. It says she's a Ph.D. D. 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 She's a Ph. 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 D. 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 She was a doctor of doctors down at Indiana University. And what she did, she refined doctors from around the world. People come from countries all the way around the world back to Indiana University to be re-educated, re-upped, and she is the one that did it. What I'm saying is, most of the fish, I caught one like that one, but God had her jump into our net. And she was a big part of our church. And so the thing is, most of those people educated like her would not come to a hillbilly church. They go to a rich people's church. And so we have to understand, we follow Jesus. He'll make us what we need to be to get who we need to get to get the job done. But praise God, we did catch a different kind of fish. And some others like that too. But the thing is, if you follow Jesus, you be comfortable with who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And so I was me with her, as she fitted our church very well, because actually with all she had, she raised horses too, and lived out on a big ranch that she had. And we'd go down to the place down there, she raised real expensive horses, and that, so she was hillbilly too, except she wore a different kind of suit all week long with those other people, but on the inside she was hillbilly. And so we have to know that for us as Christians, if we follow Jesus, wherever he lands us at in our work life, or where we live at, if we're following Jesus, Jesus is going to come out of our mouth. He'll come out of our actions. Amen. And so anyway, uh, there's requirements. And Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so they followed him, it says. And then I wrote this down by the Holy Ghost. Requirements for a successful fishing outing. Jesus told them that, and they left their nets and followed. Number one, to be successful in fishing you got to go someplace where there's fish. You know, you're not going to fish in your bathtub and catch very many fish unless somebody puts one in there for you. And I know sometimes the kids do. Ask, ask Annie and Isaac sometimes about their fish they recently had. Annie's proud of her fish. Ellie, Ellie, yeah. Ellie's proud of her fish. I don't want to tell that story right now. But if requirements, you got to go where the fish are. So in our realm of influence, Jesus talked about unsaved people. You're not going to walk into the First Baptist Church on Sunday morning and say, hey, I want to get a bunch of you saved. That's the wrong place to go fishing. Those fish there are already caught and they're already labeled to call Baptist. Saved Baptist. And so you got to go where there's fish are. Talk about unsaved people. And listen to this. We have 13 acres here. It's like a big spiritual lake. And on Friday the 27th of October... Jesus is going to restock, restock our lake with new fish. When I went fishing up at Lone Pine, California, 
Tony Perez took me to a place that was out of just some kind of state of California natural resources place, and they had thousands of trout in this thing. And what they did there, they raised it to a certain size. Then they had big trucks. They took them around to all the other lakes and restocked the lakes with fresh trout. And so if you go someplace where they've got fresh trout, that's a good thing. But if you don't bring a pole, that's a bad thing. I don't want to just look at trout. I want to catch trout. I want to eat trout. I don't want to just look at them say, oh, boy, they look nice. Look at all, look, look at all these trout they gave us. No, they didn't give them to you. You've got to catch them. They made them available to you. And so you've got to bring your pole. You've got to bring the bait. You've got to bring the equipment. And then you've got to outsmart the trout. You've got to be ready to go fish and catch the trout. You know, praise God to be able to say, Woo, we had 7,000 people come to our lake this year. We had 6,999 left. We saw thousands and thousands of trout up there. But man, they did nothing to take care of my belly. <laughs> They're still up there somewhere unless somebody caught them. And so what I'm saying, we've got 13 acres here. This year, we're going to have the California Highway Patrol here helping work for us, with us. We're going to have the uh, San Bernardino County Sheriff's here working with us. We're going to have the Barstool City Police working with us. We're going to have people for security and other things are doing. Be here working with us. And so we're getting all set up with lots of people, lots of help to help us be able to get these fish all in one lake so we can catch them. That's what we're talking about today is following Jesus to catch these fish. So you need fish. And then number two, you got to have fishermen. That's talking about you. That's talking about me. And what fishermen are, believers, now listen to this. Keep a straight face if this doesn't apply to you yet. Nobody knows talking about you. We need believers that are serious followers of Jesus Christ. We need believers that have more than fire insurance. Now somebody sitting there thought, is he selling insurance now? No, I'm not that kind of preacher. I don't have another job. Jesus takes care of me through the church. Fire insurance <clears throat> is Christians that have heard and believe that hell's a real place. They don't want to go there. And so they say, I can be just as saved as you are, but I don't have to go to church. I'd be just as saved as you are. I don't have to tithe. I'd be just as saved as you are, and I'd come at Easter and Christmas time. Well, the only requirement for going to heaven is get born again, receive Jesus. You're right. But you're never going to become a serious Christian until you get serious enough to say, I want to come more than just to see the kids of the play. Or the other kind of Christian says, praise the Lord, I got it all back together. It matter. Everything's good in my house. No pressures right now. No problems. Nothing's bothered me. Man, we got food in the cabinet. Bills are paid. Got a good job. Man, kids are all coming home at night. Everything's okay. Until the next time the devil hits you, throws a missile. Then all of a sudden, and I just say this, that, oh boy, I'm a pastor, but I'm a pester. I'm a pester pastor. All of a sudden, pretty much a lot of us know who they are. Somebody will walk through the door back there. And the first thing we all think, well, what you're not, oh boy, what about Christ is there now? They're back. And they will start hearing, 
what the latest prices is. So they come in. We get them prayed through the mess. They come two or three more times. Then we don't see them again, except on Facebook. Oh, oh boy, man, I better keep on moving right along. I don't want to get too deep into that. It doesn't matter. Everything's okay now. Party's on. Fun, fun, fun. Hit me up if you can go. Come on, let's have it. Woo, look what I got. So anyway, fishermen are believers that are serious followers of Christ. That means they want to hook up with the family of God. If things are going good, say, Jesus, I'm here. I want to serve you. What can I do? If things are going bad, say, Jesus, I'm here. I want to serve you. What can I do? Lord, here I am. Use me. So that's what we're talking about of fishers. So you need fish. You need fishermen. And then you need bait. You need bait. And so let's talk about something that will look good and lure the fish to the hook or the net. Now listen to this. Young people and little children being blessed, having fun in a safe environment for free will lure even the most anti-church, ungodly people of the world into our lake. How many here have been around churches long enough to know you have a good children's play and the grandchildren are in it and you got a mean old grandma and grandpa that want nothing to do with God or church? Would you tell them, or especially if that beautiful little girl or the innocent little boy puts a paper in their hand, says, Grandpa, will you come and watch me? Grandma, will you come? I'll tell you what, those crusty old things may stiffen up. They will. But I'll tell you what, you get that little hand to that big paw and drag them into church to see them, then they're in our lake and we're ready. And with the times we live in, not knowing who's out there in some of these public places, watch these little kids, just want to get a hold of these little kids, this is a very safe place and you get those people coming here and especially when we say, well, I'll tell you what, we're not Disney. We're not going to charge you $100. Well, hey, how about 50 We're not going to say that. It's free. They come in for all the different things we have here for those kids. And our only motive is we want to bless the kids. But we also like to win the hearts of the ones that are those kids. Those little kids would like to see Grandpa and Grandma in heaven. Those little kids would like to know who their dad and mom are. They'd like their dad and mom to go to heaven. And so what I'm saying is this. We need the fish. That's all the people coming that don't know Jesus. We need the fishermen. That's those of you that will be serious enough to say, I believe this. I want to help in it. And we need the bait. And the best bait in the whole world is bless kids. And bless you. Can you see that? Now listen. If that sounds far out to you, Jesus is the one that said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus said I'll make you fishers of men. And so Jesus knows and he's the one that said in Matthew chapter 13 said the whole world's a multitude of people and they're fish. Said there's all kinds of fish out there. And so praise God for our, for our multicultural church that has all kinds of fishermen in here to catch all kinds of varieties of fish. That's what we want to do. Good preaching. Amen. Amen. And so 
Anyway, even the hardest sinners will come on that day, and then we need good equipment. We need good equipment. And I'm not talking about the natural things. I'm talking about the spiritual. We're equipped with the love of God and the Word of God spoken in love. That's what we're equipped with, is the love of God and the Word of God. Being able to help people. Being able to help people in the way they need helped. And I, I want to I have a couple of the ladies give you a little demonstration in this very thing I'm talking about. And, you know, a couple of things I want to say while they're doing that. One, one of the grandmas in my church back in Indiana made this statement one time. Man, it sounds so good. I don't know if it's original through her or if she read it somewhere, but it's so good. How many have ever heard the expression, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach? Anybody ever heard that before? Okay, then she said this. She said, Pastor, the way to a mom or grandma's heart is through the children. Amen. And so before you guys start, I want to say this. This is going to be an example of a lost person being witnessed to by a believer. And then the most important thing of this whole skit I want you to get is how to hook the fish and reel it in. The fish isn't caught until you have it on your stringer. When you have led the sinner in the prayer of salvation, then you've done the first part of your job, and then we've got to get information in their hand about the new birth and how to stay saved. I remember how disappointed it was what it let me when I'd go fishing as a child, as an adult. You put the bait out there, and they nibble around it, nibble around it, nibble around it. Somehow they clean your hook, and you got nothing left. Or the worst thing, the worst thing is to have it hooked good and get it all the way up and start to take it off, and it gets off the hook and takes off. And so anyway, it's one thing. Now listen, this is what this whole service is about right here. It's one thing to share the love of Jesus. It's another thing to hold somebody's hand. Say, let me pray for you. Would you pray this prayer with me? And for them to take the time to ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins, come into their heart and be their Savior, then you've caught them. And so we don't want to just hook fish and lure fish. We want to catch fish. We want to get them to make that final step and say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. So anyway, these ladies are both very, very, very proficient soul winners. These girls here lead a lot of people to Jesus. So they're not just somebody that's play acting. They're somebody that's going to show you what they do. And here's how we do it at Harvest Fest. Jump, Ellie. Jump. Jump. Oh, are, those your, are those your kids? Yeah, that's my daughter. Oh, she's, she's so five. Cute. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have more kids? Yeah, I have four. Awesome. Yeah, it's get rough. them all sugared up, huh? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to save that one for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll love that. Yeah, I will love it less. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. know what you mean. Yeah, I have tons of friends that have, like, a lot of kids, and oh, I yeah. know that when they give them sugar, they're jumping all over the place. Yeah, huh? it makes life difficult. Yeah, that's awesome. In a rough patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have yeah. things aren't going so good. Well, or... just you know, four kids and life, and you know, just life. Yeah, I know, right? Especially when you're like, oh, man, I feel kind of like I'm doing this all alone. Yeah. Yeah, I know that yeah. feeling for sure. Yep, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, when I have my son, I'm like, 
wow, like this is a lot of work and especially with yeah. four times over. Yeah. Do you guys like have any help or anything or? Um, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes is it like your family yeah. or like friends or? Yeah, family and stuff, but you know, family gets rough sometimes. So yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. It's always good to have people around you, surrounding you and helping you and stuff. Do you guys? Yeah, have, that would be nice. Do you guys like have like a home church or anything? Or are you guys looking? Oh, no, no. I don't know if my husband would go to church or anything. Oh, really? Well, how about you? Are you like seeking out like a church or? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was baptized Catholic when I was a kid. Oh, okay. I mean, like, how long has it been since you've been to church? Oh, gosh, years, probably. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So, like, you kind of feel like you may be, like, a little bit far off from, like, you know, where you were before, huh? Yeah, we haven't been, like, religious. Our family hasn't been. Okay, yeah. Like, I, I know that feeling, like, when I used to go to church and everything before, and I was like, oh, I'm just, I just feel like I'm coming here and, you know, checking the box and then just going home and things still are happening, you know, but yeah, we just got busy and, you know, weekends and stuff are real busy. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to share with you like about me. It's like, I used to be just where you are and, you know, but I, I personally met Jesus and I want to share that with you too. And you can, you can have a relationship with him and it's not just coming to church. It's actually walking with Jesus and seeing your life changed and him coming in and blessing you. Is that something that you would want to do today? Yeah, I could definitely use some blessing. That's for sure. (laughs) Definitely. I think we all could use some blessing, but um, if you don't mind, let's just pray right now. Okay. 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 I'll just take your hand and just repeat after me. Okay. Okay. Father, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. That you raised Jesus from the dead. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. I make you my Lord. I make you my Lord. Clean out anything in me. Clean out anything in me that wouldn't please you. That wouldn't please you. And guide me in the rest of my days. And guide me in the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You know, um, I wanted to give this to you. I saw you standing here, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you would love this. So okay, thanks. here's this book, and then um, I don't know if you're interested in coming here or not, or if you, you know, have other church that you are looking about going into, but we would love to um, just get your information down and share, like, if we have any events coming up or um, and just reach out to you if you need prayer for anything and okay. we'll keep you in our prayers and then just keep contact with you but here you go okay and if you fill this out um we have a table that you can bring it to and we'll definitely call you and i will follow up with you okay see how you're great. doing okay great thank you so much right. thanks nice it's to nice meet to meet you, you. Yeah, have a good night later. thanks awesome awesome i will stay isn't that good? Amen. You know why that was so good? Because they live it. You know, they didn't have any lines to follow. They just did what they do all the time anyway. And it's really that easy to go fishing once you start fishing. You know, a lot of you are going to be working at the Harvest Fest. And when you're there, just look for opportunities for conversation. You know, it happens in everyday life, but just look for the opportunities. Amen. But I want to show you one more thing here to help you. I want you to look at James chapter 3, verse 16. James chapter 3, verse 16. But just get, 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 get some clues off of this. You know, uh, I think about my, 
dad teaching me to fish and my grandparents and the things we watched. And I learned some things, but also they taught me some things not to do. James chapter 3, verse 16 says this. For where envying and strife is, and that center column says that strife means self-seeking. Self-seeking is there's confusion at every evil work. When Christians fight, they give place to the devil. To come in and bring confusion and bad things. And so, when I was a little boy, <laughs> my grandpa Price was a serious fisherman. Grandpa was about 70 years old, and man, I thought that guy was ancient, but I don't think he was ancient anymore. He was just getting started. I learned that. But anyway, when my grandpa would take one of his grandchildren fishing with him, Grandpa did not go for grandkid fun. I don't know why he took us. I don't know, maybe he had a guilty conscience. I don't know. Anyway, he'd take one of his little goofballs fishing with him. And you know, when you're a little kid, eight or nine, ten years old, I mean, you got more of a attention span than a five-year-old. But I'd be there with Grandpa. Grandpa was a bass fisherman. And let me tell you how serious Grandpa was. He had a garage, you know, backyard or garage back in Indiana. I can still see that wall. I still see those fish heads. Grandpa got all the, back then they didn't have all the stuff to do out for information. He had all these bass magazines and outdoorsman stuff coming in the mail. He read them. He studied them. And when he caught big bass, he put the head on his garage back there, put a couple nails in. All we saw was fish heads all over his garage back there. Grandpa was a real fisherman. I remember Grandpa, he got saved a few years before he died, and he got this little plaque he put on his wall. And the plaque said, Lord, help me catch a fish even so big, I won't ever want to lie again. <laughs> that was on my grandpa's wall. I saw that on his kitchen wall every time we went over there. And so grandpa, we would go fishing, and grandpa wouldn't just park the car and get out and walk to the water. Grandpa had to get there before the sun come up. Had to walk through the woods. Watch out for that poison ivy over there, boy. Don't touch that, that'll hurt you. Walking through the woods, carrying all the stuff, get to the lake. Don't stand there. You'll cast a shadow to see you. I mean, he had this thing all figured out. So I get down there with Grandpa, and you sit there, don't move. He walk around the lake, stand back so his shadow didn't get out there in the water because he didn't want to run the bass off. So I'd be with Grandpa there. And after a little while, I'd be, man, I can only take so much. I'd see a big rock. <laughs> I don't think Grandpa ever did cuss, but he got mad. I'd throw rocks. Boy, he got mad. Sit down over there, boy. Sit over there playing the dirt. I'd sit down for a while. I couldn't take it. I'd have to start making noises. You know, I have to whistle or say, shut up. You're going to scare the fish off. Then I'd shut up. I wasn't throwing rocks. So I would get to do a dance. Run all around, do all the goofy stuff. And by then, Grandpa put his stuff up and say, let's eat lunch and go home. True stories. Really did happen. I remember one time, this is a few years ago, back in Rhode Island, 
They got a different ocean there. We got the Pacific out. They got the Atlantic out there, but fish are fish. I remember I took Joe. Joe was, I don't know how old Joe was, but anyway, several years ago, Joe and I were going to go on a deep sea fishing thing with the fishermen out on the Atlantic Ocean, and we'd never done that before. So we paid the bucks to do it, had a bunch of other people like us that knew nothing. But when you go fishing on those rented fishing boats, everybody's ever done that knows you don't have to know anything anyway, man. They give you the bait. They bait your hook. They give you the pole. They do everything. Take them off. They do it all for you. So we got this boat. And this old goofy guy gets on the boat with us. guy about 40 years old. And have you ever seen Barney Fife? This is a true story. This is the absolute truth. I wish Joe were here. He tells it better than me. This guy gets on the boat. He's got this new hat. He's got fish and hooks sticking off of it. Sticking out of the hat all the way around it. Goofy little feathers and stuff sticking up like that. Fish and hooks in this hat. <laughs> Opens this box. Pulls out his own fishing pole. Gets his own bait and stuff. And we got the professionals out here that actually know how to do it. And so... They put our lines out of the water for us, these professionals. All we have to do is reel them if something gets on them. So this guy the goofy hat on with his own equipment, ignoring the professionals that gave them instructions of what to do. Says, I want to do it my way. I, I couldn't make this. This is true. This really happened. So this guy, <laughs> oh, I wish I could have filmed this. We didn't have iPhones back then. This guy runs over. Gets in between a couple of people, does like that, and throws it over the line. I said, oh, I'm sorry. He cranks it in. They crank it in. Get it untangled. He runs down to the other people. Did the same thing all around the boat. All the time we're out there, this nut with the goofy fishing hats running around, throwing over everybody's lines. I think out of that whole thing, might have been a hundred people on that boat because it's pretty big. I think I saw one or two fish caught for the whole trip. Out there for ours, everybody spent their time watching out, hoping that guy wouldn't come their way. That's all he did is run around making confusion. He did not want to do it the way the professionals had it set up to do. He wanted to do it his way, his equipment, not yielding to any authority, messing up everybody. So everybody left the boat disgusted and mad at that guy. It's a good thing he didn't have beer on that boat, somebody would have punched his lights out. If somebody had been drunk, they'd have really hit that dude. So anyway, anyway, from years going by, from years going by, we've learned we get this many people here coming, and we get this many workers, then this James 3.16 is a very real verse we've got to be aware of for our event we're doing. So the last thing we need is any of our fishermen, which is our church people, our workers, getting mad and fighting each other, and arguing in front of the unsaved people. In front of the unsaved people. Last thing we need to do is have somebody come into here, all of our years of experience of setting this up, praying for it, planning for it, knowing from years gone by what not to do because we blow it, and learn by experience how to catch the most fish. Last thing we do is the Lone Ranger coming in here about Tonto. You know, the Lone Ranger about Tonto gets scalped. He's got to have a partner. And so the last thing we do is somebody try to override what's going on and change the system in the middle of the expedition. And so 
A short time after Harvest Fest is over, a week or two, Katie would be having a debriefing meeting. And anybody that saw things that wasn't right, wasn't good, could be improved, put it down in writing. Come to the meeting. The time to discuss things is after the sinners are gone. Last thing we need to do, you got these people here that don't know Jesus, where they're going to spend eternity, is come in here and see two of our people fighting each other, arguing with each other, and doing dumb things. You know what that is? That's the same thing as that man running around the boat. That's the same thing as goofy little Bernie Samples throwing rocks at Grandpa's pole. We don't want to run the fish off. So anyway, the ladies are going to show you another little thing of the right way, wrong way to do it. Okay, Katie, so since you weren't here for the training meeting on the 25th, um, I have all of the information and the directions on how to do the cakewalk. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're going to have 10 players, and they have they can't keep playing. They have to get back in line afterward. Okay. Um, but they didn't set it up for us, so we're going to go ahead and set it up. Okay. So these are the verses, and they're supposed to stop. You know, when the music stops, they're supposed to stop and read them. Okay. Um, but only the person that we draw from here, we're going to draw the scripture out. Mm-hmm. And when we read the reference, like First Corinthians two okay. nine, then they stop and they have to read that out loud. Easy. Mm-hmm. So easy way to get the word into people. So we're supposed to put these on the backs of the chairs. Okay. Um. Uh, I know that we're getting close on time, but um, I don't have anything to put on the back of them. So I'm going to go to my car, and I guess we can just leave these sitting here until then. Well, how far is your car? Because we could just, I mean, like prop them up like, you know, like like this or something without the tape. Yeah, that's not the way they said to do it. So we're going to do it the way that they said to do it. Oh. Um, but my my car is at the front of the building. I know that we're here by victory, but I'm going to go get some tape out of my car so that we can at least tape them up. Oh, okay. You sure? Okay. Like, because we could just... Yeah, I don't know why that you think that you're going to reinvent the wheel here, um, but we're just going to do what they told us to do. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm going to go over there, um, and you can just go tell them that we're going to start late and stuff, okay? Oh, uh, all right. So, okay, good. Yeah, good of you to submit. So that is how we don't want things done. Um, she could have very easily there just sat down and cried. I could have very easily started yelling at her. Um, but it's the simple, tiny little things like that that cause strife, cause division. It don't matter. Just sit the paper down on the chair and move on. You know, um, it's about teamwork. It's about us showing the love of God, not only to them, but also to each other. Unity brings the anointing in. So when we let stuff like that happen where it's dumb, it's not that big of a deal, but you're tired, you've worked all day. You're trying to follow the directions that Miss Katie gave because, you know, she's kind of crazy. And, you know, you're trying to do it the way that they asked you to do it. But really, the bottom line is work together and just get the job done so that the people coming in can be walking into the anointing so that they can be here with the Holy Ghost working and it not be something that we're tripping up over stuff that doesn't matter. What matters 
is them receiving the love of God and receiving Jesus, even if it's reading a scripture at the cakewalk. That was really good. They're really, they're really gifted, aren't they? Hey, ma'am, they don't have a fishing hat, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing I want to do is look at this scripture, Philippians 2, 14 through 16, in the New Living Translation. Wow, look at those people on the hayride. Okay, do we have the verses ready, too? There we are. Okay, do everything without complaining and arguing. This is in the Bible. Without complaining and arguing. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, that on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, and that my work was not done useless. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's our marching orders for Harvest Fest, to work together, let our light shine, not murmur, not complain. If you don't like something, pray, put it in writing. We'll talk about it at our debriefing meeting because the last thing we want to do is be known as a place where they came to have a good time and all they saw was people arguing with each other. That's not going to happen in this church. So anyway, Katie, come up here with me. And uh, everybody got this little paper in your hand that says 1 Corinthians 13. All the workers, especially all the workers, if you're a worker talking to you, instructions from the pastor by the Holy Spirit, every day until Harvest Fest time, pull that out, read that out loud, pray that over yourself that that's how you're going to live, that's what you're going to do. And you know the good fruit out of that? You bring that into Harvest Fest, then also you'll start living that way. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.